a lot of people look at us as trail runners, especially like when we did that Bandera and we're staring at the 50 Kers and the hundred Kers running by, I mean, they're bloody, they're tired, they're cramping, they're out in 25, 30 degree weather and rain. And people are looking at them going, why do they do this? Right. Why do they do this? That, that was Marcy saying that. Right. Yeah, Mar- yeah. Marcy's like, I knew one thing. I don't want to do this ever right. again. Right. That's it's pretty- called a comfort station for a reason. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. She's wondering why they're leaving on the other side. She's like, why are you leaving? <laughs> yeah. You get everything you want right here. I don't, why, I don't, why would you take off? I don't get it, man. <laughs> Hi, this is Kelly Black, a.k.a. Trail Mama, and I'm a big-ass runner from a trail runner's year-round paradise, northern Minnesota. Welcome to the Big Ass Runner podcast, where we entertain and encourage trail runners from all over the world. Now here's your hosts, Jeff Harrell and Stephen Pritt. Well, thank you, Kelly. Stephen, we met Kelly at Bandera. Yes, and you know what? She, Jeff, did the 100K, I believe. Did she? That's right, she did. 100K. That's a a lot of K. Yeah. Well, what I love about that is that she's a mom, and she's like the coolest mom now because she has this cool belt buckle. She has a belt, like a Texas-sized belt buckle. A Texas-sized belt buckle with a rattlesnake on it. Like, how cool is that? Yeah, there's two things I love about Kelly. One is she's funny. Yes. You just heard that. And speaking of that, she did a video at Bandera talking about how good the pancakes were at the Chapas aid station. So thank you for that, Kelly. And the second thing is she's just a great human being. I know she's got three kids and she's adopting a fourth from China. So cool. Love Kelly. Yeah. Well, if you guys don't follow her, you should. Her, her Instagram handle is love goes the distance. I love the play on words there. And thank you so much, Kelly, for, for doing that introduction. Well, welcome to the Big Ass Runner podcast. I'm Jeff Harrell. And I'm Stephen Britt. Stephen, this is episode 30. Wow, I feel so old. Oh my goodness, we're getting up there. Do you remember when we were 30? Um, No. (laughs) No, it's been a while. It doesn't seem like yesterday, that's for sure. (laughs) It seems like a long time ago. Well, we have a great show for you. We've got one of our favorites, Scott Gracer. People know him as Scott Alina. Yes. He is here to share a tale from the trail. Yeah, and Scott's got a lot of wisdom. He's going to be sharing some things with us. So no more Big Papa stories, but uh, he's, he's got some new new stuff to share with us. And we have a special winter segment, Stephen, called Running in the Snow. People may know that Texas had a little bit of a tough time with some winter weather. Yeah, we actually had to exchange our flip-flops for some other things besides them because we got pummeled with a whole bunch of cold air, snow, and for us, any amount of snow was a big deal. So it was kind of a crazy week, but it seems like we're kind of getting through that. I know a lot of people didn't have power. Thankfully, you know, everything's coming through that and, and Texas is coming back online, literally. Yeah, but before we get to that, Stephen, we wanted to talk about a live race that we just went to. It seems like Two months ago. It was actually just a week ago. <laughs> I know. We were out running yesterday, and it was only literally a week ago, but it did seem like months ago. So. A lot has happened between the time we ran Rocky R- Raccoon and the time we ran the Squirkle yes. at Irwin Park. Yeah, that's our home course. So yeah, so last week, we actually ran another race uh, sponsored by Hoka, the same company that does Bandera. We ran that and we were really excited about this, Jeff, because we have been training for a while for it. And we love a good little road trip, like we talked about before. So we were all geared up and ready to go. And we headed down south to run our, our trail race. Tejas Trails put this on. They put on a great race, and the race director was our friend Chris McWaters. He does such a great job. We love Chris. A few things. 
things happened, though, Stephen, on this trip that we wanted to talk about. The first was, and this was on me. This one's on me. <laughs> you know, we talked about road trips a few weeks ago. One of the things we love about road trips is the road trip itself, the food that goes with it, the music and all that, but also Airbnbs. Yes. Because we all get to stay together. You know, hotels and motels are fine. But the Airbnb has changed. It's been a game changer because you all get to stay in the same place. Yeah, we can spread out and we each, you know, usually have our own room and we can kind of just come together. We bring our own food in, all that kind of good stuff. So it's very convenient, much easier for us, especially when you're traveling with a group. And I found this Airbnb after tons of research. (laughs) I got our data scientists involved and we located a couple different options. Yep. And the one that we landed on was, I was very excited because, first of all, it was at a farm. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, and Yeah, it's great because they said they had a couple of little asses. <laughs> but wow, that's perfect. Like, what more? I mean, we had our own mascot there waiting for us. I think they even said they had a camel. There was a camel. There were horses. There was all these animals that you could feed in the morning. Like the morning feeding is going to be at 10 a.m. I was like, we won't be there at 10 a.m. But still, that's really cool. I mean, who doesn't like a petting zoo in an Airbnb? I mean, what could Everyone. possibly go wrong? Everyone likes that. And the second reason I really identified this one as the right place to stay was they had a hot tub. Yeah. I mean, that's after a good race and you're exhausted. It was a little cold outside, but, you know, a nice warm hot tub. Um, that was that was a key factor. So uh, we were we were pretty much looking forward to, to seeing that. This was called the cowboy cabin. I mean, it's Texas. I mean, <laughs> yeah. How, I mean, say no more. We get there. And first of all, the door was wide open. Yeah, it was a little scary. We, we thought, well, you know, we're pretty friendly in Texas and we, we do like to have people over and stuff. But the open door policy of having an open door was a little bit eerie. We didn't know, like, you know, should we send somebody in first? We kind of would rock, paper, scissors. Who, who yeah, wants to go let's in? Let's send Timmy time in first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'll talk them down. We get inside. It's okay. You know, there's places to sleep. There's three three bedrooms. Two bedrooms have a single bed. And then the third bedroom, Stephen, which is where you and... Our buddy Richard ended up staying, had two beds in it, and maybe not arranged as in the order that we thought they might be. Well, I think this Airbnb was really special in the sense that I think the original home was a pretty tiny, but they had bolted on two more rooms to the front, a room in the back uh, where, where we stayed. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Elf. That's where Elf is the human, but then he's in the small environment. This was a very, very long and skinny room, like not much room between the bed and the wall. Two single beds that were facing each other at opposite ends of the room. And it looked like we should be making toys after after we got there. <laughs> I was like, look, there's a wood shop. We can, we can make toys. The funny thing also is is that there was a shower that was actually attached to this this area as well too. So everything was kind of bolted onto this house, and the shower was very small. I'm, I'm about six feet tall, and I think the shower head came up to like my my neck area. So it was tiny. Uh, it was very very tiny. So it was a very um Jeff, thank you. It was a very interesting house. It uh, had a lot of character. Yeah. <laughs> To say the least. It added a lot of character because you could see each year it just added a new room with a different theme. Yeah. And then we were super excited to go in the back and and check out the hot tub to see where we were going to relax after the race and really let the muscles loosen up. We pop open the top of the hot tub (laughs) and, Stephen, there was no water in the hot tub. There was only a little bit of sand in the bottom. A little bit of sand and dirt. Yeah, right there. Brutal. 
I know. We thanked Jeff for booking the, the place. It was very kind of him. And then the second thing you said is, Jeff, you're no longer in charge of booking the place. <laughs> right. And and oddly enough, sometimes Marcy has been very kind to to book stuff. And I think we're going to rehire her back. She's back in. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. I'm, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Honestly. It's I, everything you think that could go wrong with it probably did. They even had this golf cart where you could go and get into it and travel around supposedly and see all these animals. I thought, well, hey, I'm going to make the best of this. So the last day I got in the golf cart and tried to zip down and I didn't even get to the gate <laughs> and it ran out of, ran out of juice. It ran out of juice. I'm going to push this sucker back to the, to the cabin. So yeah, so it was great. All kidding aside, it was warm. We had a place to stay. It wasn't that bad. It was just very um, unique and special. You know what didn't run out of juice though, Stephen, was <laughs> the refrigerator. That's true. It had a timer on it, apparently. <laughs> And your bedroom was probably, what, 10 feet from the refrigerator. I felt like my head was in the crisper. I think that's <laughs> kind of what it felt like. And every hour on the hour, what what happened? It was like a cuckoo clock of insanity. So every hour, it would make this noise. I don't know if it was like the equivalent of a refrigerator bowel movement, but it did this little... <laughs> it was regular. Yeah, it was like... And then it would stop. And it made that noise every, every hour on the hour. At least we knew what time it was but at 3 a.m i don't know i don't want to know what time it is so you want to sleep yeah so yeah yeah it was it was fine it was it was perfect conditions for for running a big ultra race yeah it was great it was great so that's the airbnb so that's the first thing we wanted to cover the second thing we wanted to cover our buddy richard ran this race with us sort of he actually did the 50k Right. And we'll talk a little bit later about why we didn't do the 50K. We'll take, we'll get to that. There's some good reasons for it. but Some great reasons. So this was Richard's first race with us. So we all run, you know, we mentioned our home course, Irwin Park. This is this area where we run. So Richard does quite a bit. He's a great athlete. This was his first time running with us. And we have this habit, Jeff, that we somehow, no matter how much we plan, we kind of inadvertently are always late to the start. Yeah, I wonder why, Stephen. <laughs> Because you're talking to the guy in, in El Jefe over here who's always early. Yeah, you you are very, very early, and I am not. I am I like to say I'm fashionably on time, which really means about five minutes late. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. This time, it was not my fault. We, we had some detours in construction, and poor Richard, he was running a 50K. It was pretty cold outside. It, it was not most races where everybody's at the start and everybody's excited. And obviously they had all the COVID protocols. So they had the, the rolling starts, you know, in different groups and stuff. This was more of like nobody was out there except if you were a runner. That's and, right. And so, yeah, so we, we got there and poor Richard experienced something that uh, we probably shouldn't have done. So. Well, his start time was 630. <laughs> we were mapping as we were driving in and our arrival time was 632. <laughs> <laughs> and he still needed to pick up his packet and his timer. Right. And so we get there at right at, we roll up. It's like the first day of school. <laughs> hey, little Richard, <laughs> go on out there. Have fun. Yeah. So we, we literally kick him out of the truck, get his packet, and then we're we're all sitting in the truck together and tim goes you know maybe we should see him see him off <laughs> yeah it's first... like the first day of school oh you look so good buddy i like your you know like your shoes right did you pack a lunch you're looking got, great you got a cool little lunch box ready to go yeah so we did we we quickly parked the truck we saw little richard not the singer off <laughs> and he he was off and it was like him starting literally by himself in yes. the in the dark so. and he did great by the way he did he, he finished really well he did a very strong run unfortunately Unfortunately, he he 
did beat my time for that course only by a few minutes. I was trying to trip him at an aid station. Yeah, what were you doing that for? Because uh, he was going to beat my time. Oh, that's true. Then he showed off and ran backwards across the finish line. He did. Yeah, that's the last time he's going to be on that. <laughs> he's, <laughs> not, he's not going any trips with us anymore. Yeah, if you beat my time, then that's that's it. You're done. No, I was kidding. So no, he he did a great job, and it was a very fun race. Richard did great. He did the 50k. Now, Stephen, you and me and Timmy time did the half marathon version and our race started i believe at 8 or 8 30 yeah we couldn't even get our packets till 8 so we had quite a bit of time to hang out and eat some powdered donuts in, in the truck we had planned on doing the 50k we were training for the 50k in my particular case everything i think everyone knows i got covid back in november that threw me off a little bit and then i hate to even admit this Stephen, because it sounds like such an old man disease i got gout, gout. and gout is super painful if anyone's had it out there you guys know it is super painful you can't walk you can't run you can't even put cover like when in in bed when your covers are over your foot it yeah. hurts oh, it's painful it's very bad so that threw me off as well so i was behind in my training and i decided it, again we've talked about this before there's two major ingredients i think that that make up a good trail runner one is toughness yep and one is being prepared. Correct. And I could have said, you know what? I'm going to do the 50K anyway because I think I'm tough. Right. But I was not prepared. <laughs> and so I decided pretty, you know, a couple about about a month or, or six weeks out that right. I was going to do the half marathon. Right. And then Timmy Time said, you know what, Jeff? I want to run with you too. I'm going to do the half marathon. <laughs> right. So that put left you and Richard doing the 50K. But then you had to opt down to the half marathon as well. Yeah. So Richard and I were training together pretty heavily. We were trying to to go for PRs for each other and prospectively. And I, a couple weeks, three weeks or so before that, started feeling some discomfort, really started back around when we were coming back from Bandera. And Jeff, I'd been battling a kidney stone. Ugh, sounds awful. Yeah, it is, pretty much. I, I won't go into any kind of forensic explanation of, of a kidney stone issues, but I can just tell you that they're very painful and not a lot of fun. And I was so disappointed because I really wanted to, to to get a new PR. We were really trying to to uh, to really run a really cool race. So at the very last minute, I'm like, I still have this thing in me. I don't want to not run something. Uh, we already kind of planned the trip. We had this amazing Airbnb where we were looking forward to. So so I went ahead and 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 ran it anyway. So then I I downgraded. And again, you know, a half marathon. It's still a great race. It's still a great race. It's still a long distance. So so me and my my friend, we called him Hank. Hank, H- Hank the kidney stone. Hank the kidney stone. We didn't we didn't know what gender he was until later on. But uh, so Hank and myself and Jeff and Timmy Time, we. we we all we all ran the, the half marathon. Because Stephen, you were under doctor's orders. Not were you under doctor's orders not to run at all, or just not to run very far. It was doctor's order not to run very far. So then, being a good trail runner, I wanted to still you still do it. <laughs> I was like, when you say far, like what do you mean by far, and what do I mean by far? And honestly, Jeff, I wasn't trying to be like, oh, I'm just going to be tough. I just really wanted to run, and we put so much training in it. And he's like, it's going to hurt you, but it's not going to damage you, you know, that much. So he's like, so it's really a to whatever you want but he's like don't don't do anything over you know like 20 miles and i was like well there's a there's a half marathon so that race was on saturday and i believe you had a birth happen on sunday yeah so we got back we, we decided to leave a little early so got home and um hank was born we had a little uh, a little gender reveal party 
And a ginger or gender? Gender reveal party. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have red hair, but yeah, no. So we had a little gender reveal party. Tim ha- had been running with me for the for the half marathon a little bit, so he got to share in some of my my pain and and commentary as we were running. So he was very happy that that Hank was born and and, and done with. And was a boy. It was a boy. Yeah, confirmed it was a boy. Confirmed. Congratulations, Yo, Stephen. Thank you so much. He 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 looks just like his dad. So. <laughs> Well, I will say that you you were in pain and you were uh, you fought through it. I was very proud of you. You did really well on the half marathon. That's why you smoked me by twenty something minutes. No, no, it was just just uh, it was an unfortunate event, but I'm glad I got to get out there and run. So. And we also got to see Giselle on one of our listeners. Yes, yeah, on the course, which was awesome. It was so cool because we we saw on Instagram all the runners that we we some of them we we saw some we didn't, but she laid out her gear. And I was like, well, if I see her in the course, I know what she's wearing. And sure enough, we saw her. So it was so cool. Yeah, it was great seeing Giselle out there. Well, and Jeff, I think the one of the last things that we did that we, we've really taken heart to is we we contacted Teos Trails, you know, Chris and said, hey, we're, we're only going to be doing the half marathon. Richard, you know, he'll be fine out there for another couple hours. So since we're going to be waiting on him, you know, put us to work. I mean, we, we really enjoyed doing Bandera. Again, this was a little bit of different race because it was really, really cold again for Texas again because of COVID, they did such a great job of the the rolling starts. So they're like, yeah, after you get done, come meet us over here, and we'll put you to work. And so we started to you know kind of roll up some things and and take down some tents and that kind of stuff. And then um, Chris and team was like, you know what, um, we have a we have a job for you. And I was like, oh great, it's we're a special job, special Steven, special just for the big ass runners, just a special job. I'm like great, maybe this will keep us a little bit warm, someplace cozy and. Just a nice area where we can just you know stay cozy and warm, and he's like, yeah, we we uh, we need you to uh, to go over to the trailer and and get a container. I'm like, great. And he's like, yeah, it's the go in the trailer to cross the in you know, a couple parking lots, uh, get this container, and then come back. So I'm like, okay, great. So we we go over there and Timmy time and Jeff and I we we go over there and we we, we get it, we come back, and, and he's like, yeah. So if you don't mind taking what's inside of there and and distributing, I'm like, great, distributing, make, wow. distributing. I know. I was like, that sounds well, important. It was so important. So I was like, well, maybe this is like merch or we can hand out Oreos or something oh, like yeah. that. Open it up and believe it or not, it's full of toilet paper. <laughs> toilet paper? Look yeah. At that. So if you check on Instagram, this is the reason why I took a picture of it. There was this row of maybe like 12 beacons of light. Oh, so beautiful. It <laughs> were just all lovely and, and in, in a row. Pristine, and I would say. Very pristine. Well, at least before the race. <laughs> exactly. Not so af- afterward. We got a firsthand glimpse of every single one of them. So. Yeah, so you stocked the... Beacons of light with brand new rolls of toilet paper. We did. That was that was our job. So we went in and uh, each beacon of light, we refreshed it with a new, or sometimes two rolls of toilet paper. Sometimes, sometimes they needed a double. Uh, there there was some opportunity in some of the ones that that needed some extra toilet paper. You got a little bit of a surprise in one of them, didn't you, Stephen? Yes. Without going into much graphic detail, I don't know if it was cold or dark or no headlamp or disorienting just maybe there was yeah some, some vertigo vertigo invo- happening <laughs> involved some terrible aim yeah well i don't yeah so somebody had let's just say that they made their dairy queen swirl not in the cone 
<laughs> they they missed the, missed co- the cone. They missed the cone altogether, and I was like, "Nope, not putting toilet paper on that one. That that one's gonna stay empty." That would be like you know when you when you release. If you ever have a hand grenade, you ever had a hand grenade, Stephen? Um, yeah, you know all the time. <laughs> you pull the plug, you throw it, and you run. That's right. what you got to do with that one. Yeah, I was like, "Nope, Chris, I love you. Love this race. Been doing it, but uh, no, thank you." So we uh, we left that that little frozen treat all by itself and. and and uh, moved on to the next one. Yeah, so we had a lot of fun at Rocky Raccoon. The weather wasn't great. The race wasn't what we wanted, but we made the best of it. Yeah, and I think that's what it's all about for us. You know, we, we met a lot of people. We we met some some new friends, connected over um, dinner with some other people, and we just really had a good time. So it was well worth it. But yeah, it was it was not planned conditions. And you know, Jeff, I think it kind of brings me to a point that you know I once saw something about Michael Phelps, and he talked about training. And he's like, you have to train for all the things that don't go right. You know, in his world, it was goggles that were broken or missing a turn or a wrong stroke or whatever. And so even though it wasn't what we wanted to, you know, like you had COVID and gout and I had Hank and Tim had us, you know. He had to deal with us. Yeah, he had to deal with us. Um, Richard, too. Yeah, exactly. Maybe not the most stellar sleeping conditions before. You know, you just make the best of it. And we did it. And we had a lot of fun. and, And I think that's really what it's all about. Yeah, it was a great time. And with that, Stephen, it's time for episode 30 of The Big Ass Runner. The best of Stephen, one of the segments we have not done in a while. Yes. It's been a while. It's Tales from the Trail. We have a special guest for this segment. Yeah, I think somebody that uh, everybody knows, but we haven't had back on the show for a while. That's Scott Gracer is here, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, guys. How are you? Good, Doing Scott. Good. Going good. Back. Good to be back. If you've listened to the show, Scott was on episode number 12 talking about his heroic Rocky Raccoon oh, it was. journey, his 50 miles. Right. And if they may be confused, they might know him as Scott Alina. Scott Alina, Scott right? Scott Alina. Right. So right. in case you were, you've been listening to us for a while, I know a lot of people are going back and listening to old episodes. You definitely want to listen to that one. So if you're concerned if it's, is it Scott or Scott Alina? His name is Scott, but we refer to him as Scott Alina. We do? I think so. We're supposed to? Well, not anymore. But oh, just, okay. Just, yeah, just, a great just, moment in my life. Just a great just moment. I'm really proud of that name. And it was so, <laughs> Scott Alina was so strong in that episode. We brought him back the following episode, and he told us the story of Big Papa. Big Papa. Yeah. Who could ever forget that? I think I think a lot not of me. listeners know. <laughs> <laughs> not Scott. He's, nope. he's, he's seared in your heart and your mind forever. He is. He is. Yes, he's still on the race somewhere, too. <laughs> somewhere out there. On the course. Well, Scott has another story for us, and it's kind of an origin story, mm. so to speak, because just a little bit of background. So we've been trail running for quite a while, but before we did that... We did what they call in the biz OCR races. Oh wow! Is that where the Acronyms. computer scans and then reads text? That's <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. like a yeah, deep deep yeah. OCR. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's obstacle course races, Stephen. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we started doing. I think I did a Tough Mudder. I don't know how many eight nine years ago, and then we did some Spartans and some Savage Savages. races. Yep. Yep. And to train for them, we would go out to Irwin Park and run the trails, and that's where it all started. Yeah, remember they had the five-gallon buckets full of concrete yeah. that we would carry and do squats with and yeah. climb trees and jump back down off of trees? <laughs> what else would we do? Jungle yeah. gym stuff? There's that Crazy. one really big hill, too, that we, yep. is infamous that has all the, the rocks Heart on Heart Attack it. Hill is what kind of what it needs to Heart be called. Heart Attack Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
all kinds of fun stuff. So Scott has a story about a obstacle course race that he and Timmy Time did a yeah. few years ago. Yeah, it was fun. We uh, Timmy Time and I got into the obstacle races because it was just fun. You know? it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It is fun because you get to do the things you like to do as a kid, which is jump up and grab stuff <laughs> and swing from stuff and... You know, get climb, muddy, climb on stuff, get you dirty. get muddy, you get to get dirty. Yeah. And you get to run a little bit in the hills, which that was a lot of fun. So Tim and I ended up going to a race out in, I guess you'd call it West Texas a little bit, just West of Fort Worth called yep. Rough Creek Lodge. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yep. Neat little place. We had done some uh, sprints before. Spartan sprints was like five to six mile sprints with obstacles. Usually had about 10, 11 obstacles during that race. All the way from swinging on jungle gym kind of stuff like monkey bars to balance beams to carrying logs to uh, throwing a spear. Just Ooh. a bunch of different stuff. There's a lot of fun. Yeah, you could throw a spear in this like hay bale. Oh, not at Tim. No, no. Although sometimes it, it may have been more beneficial. This was not the Hunger Games, Steve. Right. Right. Yeah. If he was ahead of you, <laughs> if great. he was ahead of you, right, exactly. That's so. right. Yeah, but what was really hard about the Spartan is if you missed the obstacle, if you fell, if you jumped off, if you didn't finish the obstacle, you had to do 30 burpees. Every every time, like each, every time, every obstacle you missed, missed, they had a place that you would have to do 30 burpees and they would have someone watching you to be sure you did 30 burpees. Whoa. And Jeff, I remember there was one you did where you had a lot of burpees. Okay, well, let me let me let me yeah. add something here. First of all, first of all, OCR races are not made for Clydesdales. They are no, not made not. for the Clydesdale. <laughs> they're not because a lot of it's body weight stuff. Because you're you're doing jungle gyms, you're going over a fence, you're doing all these things. Very. Yeah, very difficult for the Clydesdale. And I think I did, I think I counted it up and I did like 180 burpees. Yeah. And, and, oh my gosh. Yeah, and the obstacles are throughout the whole course. So you would run about a quarter mile, maybe half mile between an obstacle. Right. And every time you miss that obstacle, you have 30 burpees to do. So you can imagine <laughs> oh trying God. to run after doing 30 burpees up a hill, carrying pretty much railroad ties, uh, moving, a, moving a sled with concrete on it. Climbing up these walls, these ropes, hanging from ropes, climbing up a rope, hitting a bell, coming back down, swinging from these uh, kind of jungle gym ropes across water, all this kind of stuff. So every time you do a burpee, you just get more worn out and more worn out. So by about halfway through the race, poor Jeff had done 120 burpees or whatever. Burpees are from Hades, first of all. Okay, we all know that. We all know that. And yeah, I've done quite a few. Do you think I'd get better at it? No, not so much. Just get worse. Form gets worse, gets hard. Yeah, very difficult. What if you don't even weigh enough to push the sled? I mean, do, do you get help or like? Yep. Now that's that's kind of fun. It's much like the trail racing, right? People can help you if you ask for it. Okay. So yeah, you can say, "Hey, I need some help pulling the sled across fifty yards or whatever it might be," and right. they'll help you out. Exactly right. So yeah. on this particular October day, it was in the morning. There was ice on the truck. It was twenty something degrees. Timmy time and I just stayed in some Motel Six, leave the light on kind of place. <laughs> <laughs> that had cereal for breakfast and no milk at all in their little cereal area. And um, we ended up driving to Rough Creek Lodge really early in the morning, like really cold. And we ended up getting the race going, you know, and this is, um, this was the beast, which is the next level beyond the sprint. So it's a 13, it's a half marathon. So wait, you're, obstacle course racing. You have to complete 13 miles yep, in addition 13, to the obstacles. In addition to the obstacles, it's about 25 to 30 obstacles on course. And normally it's throughout the whole course that you're doing. It's up and down hills, like I said, carrying stuff, climbing stuff, right? Right. Well, it rained really hard a couple of days before then. So when Spartan ended up setting up 
the course, they couldn't get a lot of the obstacles to the areas that they used to have them in. So they put oh. most of the obstacles at the very end of the race. And they just did some small fence climbs and smaller stuff in between. Right. So Tim and I, this is our first beast. We've done multiple sprints, uh, done very well in them. And we, we trained up. And we wanted to do this, get this done before three hours, the whole course in three hours. And uh, we're all fired up and ready. You know, we get going and and it's a lot of mud. It's tons of mud. It's up over your shoes mud the wow. whole the whole way. So you're running through this kind of mud the whole way. You're going through ice puddles. You're swimming in ice water. And you're realizing that we've run like half of it, six, seven, eight miles, and we haven't seen many obstacles. We've right. only done a couple of obstacles. We're like, where are all these obstacles? Where are all these obstacles? Well, we end up getting to the last three to four miles of the race. And now we're pretty spent because we've run pretty fast and, and as quick as we can. We've got a good pace going. And we get to the end, and there are probably nine or to ten obstacles within the last three miles and is nothing but obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And we ended up just getting ourselves beat up to death trying to finish this thing. Oh, my goodness. And so we got to where, I mean, Timmy Time's calf looked like it had an animal inside. Like Alien. Did you ever see the, the <laughs> It looks like that Alien? anyway, but I can imagine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Timmy Time has some nice calves, right? Well, he does. Like, yes, he yeah. does. Yes, yeah. he has some nice calves. Yes, he does. <laughs> but, it, but anyway, he, his calf had some movement to it that it never had he was cramping up so bad so he, he was limping trying to run i looked like i just got off a horse my legs wouldn't even bend anymore and so we're finishing these obstacles trying to get it done trying to get it done before the three hour mark and we ended up finishing up like a 302 303 oh wow yeah we, close yeah we didn't realize we were going to be in the top 10 we ended up being in the top 10 in that race wow that's impressive and, uh, yeah it was hard it was so hard that race that was probably the hardest race and doing the 50 mile which you guys know how bad that hurt me right that beast was harder are you serious yeah. so what what was it was it the fact that all the obstacles were stacked at the end yep. like it, it if they were to like normally spread out do you think it would have been as hard or? yeah it wouldn't have been as hard because you're trying to finish the obstacle because remember if you don't finish right you're doing the burpees and a matter of fact there was one that tim didn't finish and he dropped halfway through it it was one where you had to grab some rope with a ball on the end of it. Oh, yeah. And you had to swing from five or six of those, go to some monkey bars, back to some ropes, and then onto some poles, straight poles. Then it's ice cold, so your hands are all you know wet and everything, to, to poles, about three or four of those, and then ring a bell and then jump off and go to the next obstacle. Right. And he ended up getting about halfway through that and slipped. So he had to do 30 burpees at that point, and that's when I passed him. But he, I mean, after doing 30 burpees, then he has to do some kind of a sled work or some type of a pulley pull or whatever it might be. And, and you just start getting really tired. Right. Do you wear gloves and stuff? Or? You start off with gloves, but they're worthless. Yeah. Because it would probably get wet and all the water and stuff. Yeah. You're, you're a climbing under bob wire, like a, a horizontal fence, so to speak, a right. bob wire for 100 yards in the mud. Rolling and climbing and rolling and then jumping back up. I mean, it's just, it's crazy stuff. It's fun. Yeah. I would imagine with all the mud though, too, it's like, even though you're running, probably, let's say if you're running five miles and in the mud, it probably felt like eight, you know, just because of picking up your feet up. And I mean, did your, did your feet feel more spent just because of just literally getting them out of the mud? I mean, was it that kind of deep? Yeah. It's like a suction cup, right? When you, when your foot goes into the mud, it's, it takes right. power to get it out. Same thing. Yeah. Running the whole way through. We couldn't believe how bad the course was. It was a such bad condition. Probably one of the worst conditions I've seen of a course. So, Scott, when you're stuck there in the mud, you and Timmy time, and you've still got quite a ways to go, and you're like, okay, wait a minute. We're doing this. 
Like we chose to do this. More like why are we doing this? That that's my question. Did yeah. you did you go why are we do why are we doing this? And man, pancakes sound really good right now. <laughs> Anything warm. What kept you from just quitting and going and get some breakfast versus finishing? Because you guys had a goal. We did. We had a goal. We want to get done in three hours. So what yep. kept you from from quitting? I really don't know other than the fact that it's just it's a weird fun when you're out there. It really is. It's like trail running, right? I mean, why do you keep going after 25 miles, 30 miles? It's just a weird fun. You just keep going. And it's um, it's something that I, I miss. I mean, I miss obstacle racing. I'm going to get back to it. It's, it's a great thing. It's a fun thing to do. That was a beat up of a race. I mean, we finally ended up trying to walk to the truck. We couldn't even move. We were so sore the next couple of days past that race. So you're covered in mud. You cross the finish line and it sounds like, you know, Tim was spazzing, you know, you're spent. I'm spent. Yep. So Tim's always spazzing though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> spasming. He, he, spasming. Yeah. That is, that is a probably a good descriptor for him. So do you, I'm just curious cause I've never done one of these. I have like the upper body strength of a toddler. I mean, I don't think I could, I could, I could probably You'd do. You'd be doing more burpees than I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would just go ahead and just go go to the burpee station probably <laughs> and just go skip your pass just pass on those do you do they just hose you down you get in your truck yeah. and you go like i mean how how does the whole thing work it's a great question so they have this uh this pump that has a line going down to a small creek or something right and they turn on the the water pump is pretty much what it is and they have pvc lines that they've laid out across the dirt and right they have spigots out little hoses that you go there and you wash yourself down well you can't even get your shoes off because every time you reach down to get your shoes you cramp <laughs> right and so all these people are just rolling around on the ground trying to get their shoes off trying to get the mud off them and everything because you just stink you're wet you're tired right and uh yeah then they have small they're like little sweat tents man because everyone's in there trying to change oh. and they're little teeny tents that are just plastic sweat tents <laughs> and they have a, a guy's and a girl's sweat tent that was what we called it and you're in there trying to you know standing on mud trying not get mud on your next set of clothing that you brought as a change of clothes you know it's just it's crazy it's pretty fun i would imagine the fact that there's somebody there with you you know was there any element of the fact that you, you and tim trained together and then you show up to the race like was there a not necessarily accountability, but was there that feeling like, okay, if Tim's doing better an obstacle, then I'm going to go ahead and yeah. not try to beat him, but just, you know, like, that keeps me going and vice versa. Or how, how did that interplay work? Yeah, it was kind of fun because Tim, Tim is a stronger runner than I am uh -huh. and I'm stronger in the obstacles than he is. And oh, so good... we would go back and forth all the time in these races because right. in the obstacle side, I would usually get done about the same time or a little bit before him and be able to get, get ahead. But then when it comes to longer running or running up hills, he would just pass me most of the time. Yeah. And so we would we would have this camaraderie of competition <laughs> of going back and forth. But in the end, most of the time in the end, uh, we would finish very much side by side kind of deal close. Yeah. To where it didn't matter. I kind of know that feeling because every time I run with Tim on a trail race, we we usually end up sticking together. And then the last third, we kind of have this rule where whatever it, happens, whatever happens. happens, happens, how you feel in a go. Yeah. yeah. And I usually start to pick up and then inevitably I call Tim the poacher. He's like that tiger who's just kind of like in the background. And all of a sudden I look up and I, I get a little pat in the back like, hey, good job. And it's Tim. And he's just kind of cooking by me. And then he's then usually waiting at the finish line. Yeah, I, I know that feeling a little bit. It is funny. The very first obstacle race we did, there's a group of like seven or eight of us. And we talked everybody into going. And we ended up running. And it was a place right before of, of a large creek crossing where you're down in the water up to your chest and coming back up. And he stepped in mud. He didn't have the right shoes on. He just ran with, with runner shoes. Right. And he stepped in that mud. He came back up, no shoe. He had absolutely <laughs> zero shoe. It was down there about two feet down in the mud. 
And all of us just tapped his head and kept running. <laughs> like, Good luck, Tim. See you, Good buddy. luck. See you, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty funny. That was the very first time. I was like, what? This, what? You know, trying to find it. Right. He, he finally found it, got back on the course. But yeah, it's <laughs> okay. that kind of fun stuff. So, Scott, had you been by yourself doing this race mm-hmm. and you're at mile, let's say, how long you said? 13 miles? It's 13 you're, and a half miles. You're at mile 10. If you didn't have someone with you, do you think you would have finished? I think I would have probably passed some obstacles. I don't think I would have done the obstacles yeah. and tried to skirt around the guy telling me to do burpees, just to be <laughs> honest with you. I mean, that, it got to where you were so sore without Tim and I just saying, come on, we can do it. Are you almost done? Let's go. Yeah. That's kind of how we did the last obstacles. Yep, yeah. Yep. You had to. And that's the fun part. That's that's the trail race part of it, right? It's mm-hmm. helping each other out and being a part of that kind of camaraderie that's out there. So Scott, let me ask you a question. So like you were saying, there's a lot of analogies to Spartan racing, trail running and ultra running. I was going to ask when you're going through and you're doing hard things, a lot of listeners who are listening to us now are either new to trail running, new to ultra running, or a lot of times, you know, because of the pandemic, a lot of races haven't happened. So a lot of people are now just now getting the opportunity to get back into doing races. So in either kind of circumstances that people are getting back into races or they haven't done it for a while, what are some things as you think about doing hard things, especially in in the moment, do you have any kind of like mental tricks or things to stay focused besides, you know, having somebody there with you? Like what are some things that you do to to help you get over those hurdles to get past the hard things in the moment to to actually get to the finish line? I think number one is if you're going to start something new or start something back up that you haven't done in a while, having people around you helps. Mm-hmm. It gets you the motivation, just like anything else you do, right? If you're going to work out and keep with it, it's usually best to have someone around you who's going to keep you motivated. When you're tired, when you think you're done, and you have someone with you who feels better than you do, or is like, come on, let's do this together. Let's let's get it done. Yeah. I think that's the key to, to continuation of something that isn't all that fun sometimes. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people look at us as trail runners, especially like when we did that Bandera, and we're staring at the 50Kers and the 100Kers running by. I mean, they're bloody, they're tired, they're cramping. They're out in 25, 30 degree weather and rain. And people are looking at them going, why do they do this? Right. Why do they do this? That, that was Marcy saying that. Right. Yeah, Mar- yeah, Marcy's like, I knew one thing. I don't want to do this ever right. again, right? That's it's great. called a comfort station for a reason, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. She's wondering why they're leaving on the other side. She's like, why are you leaving? <laughs> yeah. You get everything you want right here. I don't, why, I don't, why would you take off? I don't get it, man. <laughs> but no, seriously, I mean, it's a it's a different group of people that mm-hmm. likes to do that kind of thing. And the same thing when you're starting back up, you know, whether it's an obstacle race or trail race or a marathon, wherever you're doing, get a group around you to help. Because I think you'll be your best if mm-hmm. you have people around you. Not that you have to beat beat them or whoever's first or second, but just to be a part of that camaraderie. Because you're going to have times where you're going to stop. You're going to hit a wall. Mm-hmm. If you don't have people around you or people saying, good job, you can do it. 10 more steps or whatever. Yeah. It just helps. It's important to have people. Yeah, I think that's so important, even like on the trail during the race, but even off. Because sometimes I'll think of like, oh, yeah, I told somebody at work I was going to be running this race. And not that it's a pride issue, but it's like, I, I, it's like almost like an accountability thing. You yeah, know, it's totally. like, hey, I, it is a part of me. But in the moment when it's hard, you start to kind of go through your mental Rolodex of things like, okay, yeah, like, well, no, it's, it's, I told somebody I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to finish up what I set myself out to do. And it's nice to have people around you that either know about it or with you or even friends and family at home, you know, that maybe aren't with you in the moment to, to think about that. So I think that's really good advice. I think it's, it's never, never a single person running something. It's always a community. Yeah. It might be a single goal you have, 
Yeah. Usually you'll reach that goal with the help of others. So Scott, I, I would imagine part of your training and getting ready for that race, you kind of had envisioned the kind of race that you wanted to have. But it sounds like once you guys got there in combination with the weather, the mud, and obviously having obstacles, you know, that you intentionally have to overcome. Tell me about just in closing for people that are kind of coming back into trail racing, how, how do you plan for a race? But more importantly, how do you plan to deal with things that come up that are unexpected? You're training you may have some different kind of days that you're training in but the inevitable is usually going to happen right mm-hmm. some things aren't going to line well right the weather uh either how you feel the shoe maybe doesn't work quite out the way it should whatever whatever might happen something's always going to happen so i think number one don't let that stop you and number two you've got to think through those kind of things if this does happen what are you going to do for us it was a wonderful race in a lot of ways especially looking back after the years right <laughs> uh during it it was very difficult but you feel good about it you feel good about finishing it and doing what you what you could do even though it may not be the exact goal right. that you that you accomplished it was the goal of finishing which is a huge goal. I think you had someone on the show one time say, it doesn't matter if you're not able to do exactly what you think you're going to do that day. Just get out and do what you can do. Just every day, get out and do what you can do. And that will all add up to something that you really wanted to do and accomplish. So 100%. Yeah. yeah it's not always as planned, but doesn't matter. Go with a plan that's in front of you and and do it. Great advice. There's no such thing as a perfect race. You're never going to obtain that. And I think that's true in training too. In training, you're like, oh, t- today's too too hot to, to run or it's too wet or it's too cold or it's too early or it's too late. It's going to rain, right? Yeah, just do it. Yeah. Because you're not going to have the perfect game day, race day conditions. So if you've tr- done it in training, you're going to be able to do it during the race as well. Someone has a pretty catchy motto that says, just do it. Just do it. I don't know. Maybe we should, we should trademark that, Stephen. We should. Uh, we write should that write down. that down. Why don't yeah. you swoop in and talk about that? <laughs> nice. Oh, okay. Good stuff, Scotty. Well, hey, thanks for being here. Good to be here, always. So, Scott, sage wisdom as always. That is a tale from the trail. Well, Stephen, one of the things we love to do is to give shout outs and kudos to the big ass runners out there just making it happen. We've got one today that I think is a fairly new listener. Yeah, so Jeff, today we have Cody Stevens, and he is a, a trail runner. He's also a marketer in photography, and he's newer to the, to the Big Ass Running Herd, but his Instagram is CodyStevens.Ginger, and he just seems like a really cool guy. I know he's out there consistently putting in miles. I think the other, the other week he had like a 31 miles in one of his runs, so he's out there just doing an amazing job, just killing it out there. And uh, he lives in the Arizona area. We've got a lot of runners that are actually out in Colorado, in Arizona, not just in Texas. We've got people all over, all over, all the, over world. the world, Stephen. Yes, we are so global. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he's out there constantly running and doing a great job. And we just wanted to give a shout out to Cody and all that he's doing out there. Yeah, Cody, I know you're in Arizona. If you have not connected with Ashley, you should do that. She's leading some runs, a couple of runs a week, I believe. And her Instagram is AZ Runners High. You guys should definitely connect so that you can run those Arizona trails together. Well, great job, Cody. Keep up the, the really good work, and I love your love your last name. Way to go, Cody. No matter how they toss the dice, it had to be the only one for me is you. Well, Stephen, we have a special segment because Texas, I think as a lot of people know, I think this is a, actually a worldwide story. Yeah. Texas has had a really rough week. Now, 
cold weather is not unique to most people. I know we have listeners in Colorado and, and we had Kelly earlier on the show from Minnesota and we get colder weather, but this has been unlike what Texas has seen, I think in something like, I don't know, a hundred years. <laughs> yeah. It's been really bad. Our, our one uh, snowplow truck is, <laughs> it's, it has no more tires. It's just been running around and it doesn't even know what to do. It's, it's just kind of in a dazed and confused kind of situation, but all kidding aside. Yeah. We had a crazy snowstorm. A lot of people had power outages and those kind of things. And thankfully now everything's kind of coming back online and people are recovering and, you know, getting the help that they need. But, uh, yeah, so we, we took advantage of that. You know, Jeff, you and I had it relatively easy. I mean, we had some power outages and that kind of stuff, but didn't have any major kind of damage to our homes or anything like that. So we took advantage and did something that we normally don't do, but maybe once every, you know, eight or 10 years. Yeah, normally in Texas, I've lived here my whole life. Normally it'll freeze, mm-hmm. you know, not, not a big deal. We're used to that. But then the next day, or it may even snow. Right. But then the next day it's 70. Right. Right. This, what was unusual about this one was it was really cold for a extended period of time, basically a full week. And we don't normally see that. So what happened was the power situation was a mess. People's power went out and our power went out for a good three full days. And so we moved in with, with Timmy time and Marcy Baser. That was actually fun. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like a, it's like a fun little party over there. They were on the rolling blackout. So they at least had power for about 20 minutes and then be out for 40. So I was trying to get work done. Tim was trying to get work done. <laughs> Marcy was just laughing at both of us. It was great. <laughs> It was kind of an odd situation. I don't know if you guys ever remember the TV show Family Feud when it starts and they're like all frozen and then they they announce like no pun intended like the the name of the family and then they they move from their poses. That's kind of like our family when the when the power was off everybody had their blankets on and as soon as it came in like the blankets literally flew off. Kids were running around heating stuff up, getting coffee, charging to, up your phone, your computer, yeah, exa- getting on Wi-Fi. Yeah, exactly. It was it's a little comical in some regards. Um, but yeah, it was definitely an adventure for the week. But like you were mentioning before, Stephen, one thing we got to do that we don't normally get to do is actually go out and run in the snow. Yeah, it's funny. You know, people think that that's such a crazy thing, especially for here. But I grew up in the north um, for a little bit in St. Louis. And when I was running track and cross country, we would run all the time in the snow. So I was like, this isn't anything Different than that, other than I'm not as fast or as young, but I should go out there and and try it. So so I did. A couple of things I learned, and I have not done any running in the snow, Stephen, but what I do know is I'm a Clydesdale. Yes. And Clydesdales love the snow. They are, they are really good in the snow, actually. I had no idea. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, and if you guys haven't seen on Instagram, there's a great video of um, a Clydesdale named Jeff Harrell um, <laughs> running in the snow. And believe it or not, if you if you go back and look and, and do it in slow motion, you might even catch Marcy Baser not even walking, but literally running in the snow. She was running. I had to grab her and help her, you know, <laughs> along. But yeah, Marcy wouldn't dress for it. Right. But she was running in the snow as well. It was awesome. Yeah, it was It was quite fun. You know, one thing that I really like about the snow is just that, one, that nobody else is out, you know. So some of you guys that live up north or in Colorado, like, you know that solitude where it's just quiet and you can literally hear your breath and you hear the crunching of the snow and stuff. I don't know why, but there's just something about that. And after you, if you're running a little bit, you actually get quite warm and you feel like, man, it's not that cold at all. I actually 
way overdressed. And I, by the time I got done, I was like unzipping layers. And it was a great time to do that. Um, I even, Jeff, got a little bit of a workout in. Uh, there was a guy in my neighborhood coming out. He was driving a sedan that was not ready for snow. And so he was stuck. So I was able to, to you know, push him out Look a little bit. Look at you, bit. Mr. Strongman over there. Well, I mean, I, I think I think I um, maybe weighed more than his car. But uh, no, I was kidding. But <laughs> he was stuck. And so I was like, hey, this is like, you know, a workout and running. Superman over Yeah, it's like a sled. Yeah, exactly. So. Well, you you and myself, Timmy Time, ran the squirkle in the snow yesterday. Yes. And we had a lot of fun. Yeah. We it, got bundled up, as you said. We ran, I think you guys did seven. I did six. You, yeah. you guys tacked on another extra mile. But it was a lot of fun. Now, we were sliding around, and Steven, of course... <laughs> You were wearing your running shoes. You were wearing your Nike running shoes. You weren't. You weren't wearing your trail shoes. Yeah. And so you would take off running and just slide, <laughs> slide, slide, slide. Yeah, I, I kind of enjoy that. So I, I didn't bite it, but I think Jeff and and Tim were a little worried about you, waiting for me to bite it. But uh, it was fun because you know you run up the hills and. It feels like I think when you're running in snow too that you might be running seven miles, but it feels like eight because you're you're slipping and yeah, you're not moving as fast. Uh, yeah, and you're which I'm used to that. <laughs> but Clydesdale do very well. I mean, we did fine. You know, you you weathered the storm. You were consistent. You you brought Clomped your snap. along. You cl- yeah, I had my had my snaps <laughs> ready to go. It was it was great. No, it is a lot of fun, and and I think just getting out there, like I said before, there's there's no perfect conditions so it's good just to try it out there and you know who knew it was good training for for rocky raccoon that when it was cold from last week so jeff on a serious note like for, for people who are new to trail running maybe not used to, to running in the snow what's what's one bit of advice that you'd give somebody out there this is the advice i'd give myself yeah <laughs> and that's to go out and do it yeah and it's not that different than other conditions it's maybe a little bit slip you know more slick uh-huh in some spots but when I got out there and ran, I'm like, this is not that much different than any other running in the rain or running in colder temperatures. As long as you are bundled up, prepared that way. Right. And to your point earlier, actually got you get warmed up pretty quickly. Yeah. But just do it. And yeah. make sure you got some good, you know, I had, had my trail shoes on, so I had good traction. Yeah. But just getting out and doing it. Don't be scared to get out in the snow and run. It was actually, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. We had a great time. And you had a cool new jacket on too. So I did have a speak. cool new jacket. I mean, usually I'm the gear guy, but you had, you, you look the part. I mean, gingy. It's a brand new, it's a new brand, I believe, REI has. It was a great, yeah, I loved it. Wow, I love that movie. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Robin Williams. Yes, exactly. And The Rock's in the new one, right. What about you, Stephen? Any piece of advice that you would give about running in the snow? Yeah, I would say this, and this is something that I've learned for a while, is you're always going to be colder when you start, but probably dress down a little bit from for where you think. Like so, wear wear more layers, wear thinner layers, but just realize that once you get started, your body's going to heat up, and what you don't want to do is get sweaty underneath your clothes. You want to have something that really breathes. So I sometimes tend to overdress a little bit, and you want to a little bit actually underdress, so you can compensate for that extra warmth. So when you're out there, you're more optimal temperature. You really want to stay dry, but also make sure that your moisture is escaping through the right type of clothes. You'll probably be cold initially, but once you get going, you want to dress for a couple miles in, not when you step out of the house. Here's something I'd love our listeners that are in these colder conditions in, in Colorado and Utah. 
I can't find, Stephen, gloves that keep my hand warm without getting really sweaty. I need to find... That's the only part of me yesterday that was cold were my hands. Yeah. That's a good question, actually. Yeah. So if you're out there listening, you say, hey, Jeff, here's the gloves you need. Let me know because <laughs> I need some really good cold weather running gloves. That's a good idea. We'll use them once every 10 years, but you'll, yeah. ha- you'll have the right gloves to have out there. Exactly. So. Yeah. If the next winter storm comes in 10 years, I'll be ready. <laughs> well, on a separate note, you know, those of you guys that live in the North, any suggestions you guys have, let us know. And those you guys that are running, stay safe out there. And just like Jeff, to your point, if, if you're not used to running in different adverse conditions, just go out there and try it. You'll, you'll probably be pleasantly surprised. And with that, that's our special segment of Running in the Snow. Well, Stephen, believe it or not, that is the end of episode number 30. Yes, I believe that is Trenta in Spanish. Nicely done, Mr. Bilingual over there. Well, thank you. I'm not, but hey, there we go. Well, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy that, and it's been a really awesome episode. Um, Jeff, we actually have, I would say, a little big news to share with our audience? I think so. Some folks may be aware of this. Others may not be. Right. We actually just launched our little first version of a website. It's a V1, yeah, as they say in the biz. That's right. In the marketing biz, they call it a V1 or a beta. But uh, we just figured sending merch through pack mules and carrier pigeons is probably not the most effective thing. So we set up a little website. It's bigassrunner.com. Super easy to remember, Stephen. BigAssRunner.com. Yeah, it's not super difficult. And you know what, Jeff? I was shocked that domain was not taken. Well, you know what? I reserved it like two years ago. <laughs> okay, well. I had the foresight, Stephen. You were just, you, you had that, that Notre Dame effect to you. <laughs> yeah, if you guys don't mind, you can check it out. There's all kinds of things on there. There's a little bit about how the podcast got started. Contact us. So you can find our Instagram, other kind of links on there. Also, if you have suggestions on, you know, episodes or have questions, we've already started receiving emails on there and um, also if you want to follow us along and and get emails from us from time to time we don't know what we're going to do with that just yet but you can submit your email and there's also a little bit about some of the charities that we're going to be supporting as as a podcast and also our brand new merch store jeff yes we have some new well, first of all, we've sold out of the merch we have. <laughs> Whatever merch we have is completely gone. It's completely gone, but we do have some things in the works. There'll be some exciting announcements, I think, Stephen, in a few weeks. So yeah. that's exciting. Yeah, so stick with us. We still have a couple of things on there, but yeah, we just wanted to get it started and provide a, a one spot where everybody can go to get more information about the podcast. And that's BigAssRunner.com, Stephen? Yes, that's it. BigAssRunner.com. What was it, Jeff? <laughs> I think it's BigAssRunner.com. All right. Well, listen, sincerely, we just want to say thank you to everybody for listening and being a part of the herd. I mean, just the fact that we even sold merch, I was completely thrilled about. We, we had some leftover from, from Bandera, and we thought, hey, maybe these people will want this, and, and they bought it. So we, we really just truly appreciate and value all the listeners, and thank you guys so much for, for being a part of the herd. Yeah, we truly do treasure everyone that listens and yeah so thanks to all the listeners out there thanks too to kelly who did a great job on the intro scott gracer for sharing his wisdom as always and hopefully you enjoyed a little bit of our stories about rocky raccoon and running in the snow well with that in mind we hope that you guys are having a good time being safe out there keep hitting those trails and keep running your asses off For this episode, we just want to say thanks to Kelly for doing the intro. Thanks to Scott. 
for sharing his wise and uh, <laughs> his wise his wise hang on a second there's a little bit about um you know um the uh, what else is on there what about you steven is something that you would any kind of for sure so we'll get to the show but before that's right steven but 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 yeah yes I think that's a good idea. That's a great yeah, idea. It really is. A good I just idea. do like that. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> good one to you. Too. We'll do that. Yeah, we'll do that one. Yes, because I like that idea. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, awesome. Axel Rose. Yep. Ah, I'm going to the jungle. Play with glory. No, that wasn't them, was it? No. No. <laughs> no, that'd be Bon Jovi. Bon, maybe you've, you've mushed. Mushed. Is that NXS? You, no, but yes, it was a bit in excess. It was a little excessive. A little excessive. Well, Stephen, I don't know if you. Oh. I'm playing with your Mr. T starter kit. A pity to fool. Twice. It's been since episode 13 that you were on, Scott. That's way too long. Wow, that's a long time. It's a long time. 12 and like, 13. Though you did have some back-to-back performances. You're back-to-back. Wow. You guys were in a pickle. Your picture of Baywatch, you know, it's like oh, whoa, picture Bay- what? Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> my mind went completely. What? Speaking of hard things, why don't you push a bowling ball out your nose? That's what it feels like to uh, have kidney stones, except through your. What?